Okay. I cannot make a focused image of that, but maybe that's okay. Is it, oh, what is it? Is it chewing gum? Oh no. I think it's too big. I think it's, I think it's paper or something. I think it looks like chewing gum. Hello. You are listening to Who's Museum's podcast. My name is Janneke Schöne. I'm an art historian and cultural researcher, and I have been involved in Who's Museum since 2017. You just heard artists Ike Trinks and John McKenna, who are out in Malmö looking for objects that Ike can use for her project called Value Products. Ike is based in the Netherlands and works mainly in life art, performances and interventions in public spaces. Amongst others, she has a master's degree from the Malmö Art Academy, where she met Laura Hatfield, founder of Who's Museum. She was invited to the museum and was part of Chapter 3, together with Louise Waite, that took place from September till October. Ike's products were displayed in the window of the gallery during the whole chapter. But when she came to Malmö for gallery night, she opened and activated her value product shop. She performed as salesperson for thrown away and found objects. There were cigarette butts, a crinkled paper bag and more. For a project, Ike has been collecting pieces of what you would classify as litter from the street, naming, valuing and labeling them together with people she encountered during the project, which started in 2015. What I usually do is, uh, if I talk to people, uh-huh. this is, uh, that's actually states two because we are in stage one mm. in this uh, project the collecting project is uh, finding items that are lost or that are just left behind on the street mm. that I find interesting for my shop that I think have an interesting value mm. and then uh, the next step is that I show them to other people and ask their advice What's the highest value you give to something? So I never give a value to the products. It's other people who do it. Uh. That's how it goes. I'm the one who is picking them up, Hmm. choosing them. And then I show them to other people, strangers or friends, Hmm. whoever I meet. To this date, I'm not sure what the object actually was that Ike and John found. It could be a gum left in a fountain that turned into a weird texture. It could be a paper or something completely different. But Ike asked me to name and value it. I named it Ophelia and my suggested retail price was 259 crowns, that's approximately 26 euro. And technically, you can buy Ophelia from Ike now. But why buy products from her? This is one question clearly raised by her project that refers to aspects of consumerism, consumer culture and values in a capitalistic system. Um, so I started actually collecting in my own city, in my own neighborhood, but to bring it to Germany, to put it there on, in the marketplace in 2015. And uh, so when I showed the products there, People usually were quite surprised because they did not know what it was going on. When you see it from a distance, it looks colorful. So mm. people are really curious. And then they come closer and they suddenly see like, what is this? And so people have to laugh, but there's people also who get really angry. Mm. 
and they don't understand why I do it, why I sell it. Why do you sell this? <laughs> and there was a man who was pointing out to the cig- a cigarette butt mm. and was saying like, well, I can pick it up myself. <laughs> why would you buy yours? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, you can do it yourself. Besides the reference to consumerism, Ike also explores the city that she goes to, that she performs her project in, that she collects items in. There's something deeply personal to her project. We look with our heads down, mm-hmm. looking on the, on the ground, what is there. We will harvest mm. some interesting items that we can find in the city, mm. in Malmö how rich Malmö is. I'm going to explore sort of archaeological mm. exploration about, but then more the contemporary modern life. Yeah. Just interesting to see what what we can find. So actually this whole thing what I do is very much a solitary mm. activity usually. I do it almost alone. I mm. have had two times a person walking with me. Mm. And sometimes it's almost like sort of therapy. Mm. I feel sort of better after it. Like I had, maybe some people go shopping and mm. they found the things that they want to find and they feel really like uh, mm. having a productive day or something. And when I find these things, I feel really like, um, how do you call it? Um, soothed. Say it again? Soothed or uh, maybe... Feel productive? Fulfilled, 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 yeah. Ike started the naming process for the objects that were found in Malmö some days before gallery night at Malleweinstorg, a market square in town. This interaction is an important part of the project. It leads to conversations about the object's origins, aspects of labor, discussions about branding and pricing stuff, environmental questions, People share stories around objects they've found and much more. So like, um, this is just an example of what I do. So I find these things from the street, yeah. like this rubber band. I found this in Copenhagen. And I ask some other person to give this a name. And then, so this person gave it Copen rubber and yeah. also priced it for 10 American dollars. And this I found in, um, in Stockholm. And uh, so another person that I met in a train, and she named this uh, Scandinavia un- Unraveled, okay. this piece. And so she priced it for a belief plus one dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's quite complex okay. how I'm going to sell this one. <laughs> and so there's everything is in the in the. Um, uh, in the label, you can yeah. find uh, the name and where I found it, when I found it, okay. and also my name, but also the name of the person who named and valued. Okay. So now it's a product, and I can, I can sell it. Okay. And now I also went on the walk. Con las cosas, le pongo un nombre poético, o sea que la gente le agregue algo. Le pongo un nombre, después lo vende, que estén lo vende. Vender cosas, se lo vende. La gente le pone cuánto vale, le dice. Está vendiendo algo como que. Ah. 
Now I found something in this neighborhood, and maybe you could all both, if you're interest, interested, both too. And uh, so, this is the first one I found here in the neighborhood. Oh, you also found it here. It's amazing. I should hire you. So this is one. You can just hold it and have a look. And this one I found. It's called the teacher toffee. Teacher toffee. Teacher toffee. Wait a minute. So you already decided to name that one. Can I ask you to write it in my notebook? The name of the product. And you can write it down below there. The T-shirt. Oh. Mm -hmm. Like a, a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what would be the um, my name? Uh, what would the be the price? The price. Yeah. What currency? The euros. Okay. Cinco. Uh, Cinco dólares. Cinco dólares. Cinco. 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 Um, All right. My name? Yeah. yeah, that would be nice. And you're famous? A little bit. Oh, that's good. It's helpful for my product. In, chi in Chile. I can use that. I can use it in my selling Chino of the product. Yeah, the tissue coffee. And so your name is Chinoy. 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 Great. Like so I can find records. If I yes. look, Google you, I yes. find some records. Yes. And <laughs> um, this one? This. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. good, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. On gallery night, Ike started selling products equipped with a mobile shop. Parallel to that, Louise Wade served bread. Food culture historian Sasha Gora invited visitors to a taste experience where she served different soups or other different colored soups and musician John Collin played at the gallery as a special guest. Just like Ike, Louise explores how artists can transform very specific parts of museum and galleries, namely cafes and shops. And it was the first time ever, by the way, that Who's Museum had a shop and a cafe. Louise has been working with installations that involve edible materials since 2016, actually aiming to one day bake a museum. At whose museum, she invited people to feel, taste and digest the collection. Small charcoal bread sculptures were served. They were cast from collected objects, like shadows of the objects. And for those who wonder, it's fine to eat charcoal and all buns were vegan. Activated charcoal is um, something that has been about for generations. Mm. No, but it's this, kind of <laughs> it's this kind of powder. Um, you can make it from any kind of um, uh, wood, mm. but the ones uh, that I use are from coconut, mm. and uh, it's going through this process so that it becomes this powdery form, and um, 
traditionally it's been used for if you for example have a bad belly mm. or, or um, you eat poison yeah, yeah. <laughs> for example you it absorbs exactly mm. John who you've actually heard before in this podcast was one of the visitors that came to the gallery and tried the bread that Louise baked I think maybe I should eat one yeah but in that case we should maybe I should I choose which one I eat is that part of the deal exactly or so what I, I usually <laughs> do is I kind of uh, introduce the process hmm. uh, as a way to introduce to kind of um, yeah get them um, interested hmm. <laughs> and also give them more information with dentures? No, it comes with a butter knife. Uh, I'll fetch it for you. Oh, thank you. I can tell you, it's really hard to actually burn the bread mm. so much that it gets this black. But it was not only a taste experience that Louise offered. Within her contribution, she invited visitors to dig into the collection of Who's Museum, to which anyone can donate anything to. So, this is a key <laughs> donated by Alison Thoreau. This paper mache set of keys were donated by Alison slash Dr. Story on tour, who after driving across Ontario all day was so tired she thought these paper mache keys on the table closet close no on the table closest to the stage were real. She recounted I was so burnt when I got here that I thought it made perfect sense these keys were on the table. I thought they must be the keys to the washroom. <laughs> So do you think about it more like they are destroying the the sculpture? Yeah, the, they're destroying it, but with permission. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, it's kind of a, the ritual aspect of eating something and then becoming part of something. Yeah. Um, so it's this kind of fun, twisted yeah, mm. thing of, of what does it mean to kind of have the... 
mm. a menu in front of you, reading about the objects, seeing the actual objects, and then eating them at the same time, but eating this kind of shadow version of it. Mm. Um, and it says on the on the napkin here, rituals can be quite unspectacular. But the quote on the napkin comes from Carol Duncan, okay, um, who's an author. Uh, and she writes a lot about museums and uh, how museums are a place for ritual but not a religious kind of ritual but you mm. still like the need for people to still have those kind of rituals and spaces where mm. you uh, act in a certain way you take stuff in in a certain way and also the kind of respect for mm the space and the objects in the space and how you read them. This was lovely. This uh, activated charcoal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um. Can you feel? Can you feel what it's doing to your body? <laughs> On the last day of chapter three, artist and writer Anna Shaflaski came to Malmö for a book release of Very Normal People, a collection of stories and illustrations on the subject of violence, in particular experienced through the female body. Anna also has a special connection to Who's Museum, as Laura asked her to function as the museum's director for some time. I'm interested, like, how did you end up in that role? Like, did you respond to an ad, or did you know each other before? No, or? so Laura and I know each other from Vancouver, mm. but not very well. I mean... Acquaintances. We were acquaintances, and um, enthusiastic acquaintances, I would say. <laughs> But then we kind of went our ways, right? I went to Toronto and over to Berlin eventually, and Laura went to Sweden. And then we hadn't spoken for years. Mm. And then I get an email from Laura all of a sudden, telling me that she wants to take a break from the Who's Museum, and she needs a new director. Mm. And would I be willing to take on this role, very undefined, and that I'll be paid. Mm. So I don't remember specifically, I mean, I don't want to be contradicted here by the fact, but, <laughs> but that's how I remember it. And then, and then there was one added, uh, added task to my directorship, and it was to, to take care of or to curate or, or do something with this collection of clay and porcelain birds. The birds were a bequest from the Hans Tolford Foundation. Who, Hans Tolford was an artist from Austria who died shortly before the bequest was made. And um, and then um, they had been, we had collected them together over some years. There were maybe almost a hundred. And now there's a big it's amazing because so there's, cool. there's about 300 birds in flying in a V formation right above our heads at this moment. It's geese going geese. south for the winter. Oh, they don't even look like geese. You know? 
they're reforming their V. What? They look much bigger than geese, but they're really old geese. Basically a V of pterodactyls. <laughs> it's really nice shape. The big A. They're anarchists. Yeah, they're making an A <laughs> for energy. True. I don't know, my name is also Anna. I don't want to be self-centered or anything, but oh, it yeah. could be. Well, could be. They were could telling be. you. Because yeah. you said you wanted to set them free and have them And there they them. are. There they are, mm. coming to say yes. It's very important. So that I forget. Oh, yeah, so we didn't know what to do with this large collection. We accessioned them, and then with this directorship, we thought this could be a good time to set the birds free and send them to the new director in Berlin. So after that, the birds stayed in storage with you for a few years. And then you were writing to me uh, saying that maybe it was time to return them or send them elsewhere. And so Clues Museum associate Teresa Kampmeyer picked them up from you in Berlin one day. Yeah, which was, uh, which was a good moment as well because like this had all been so abstract hmm. and then like two years later another stranger shows up at my door and takes the birds away you know and I'm like okay like <laughs> what just happened I had I still at this point hadn't seen Laura hmm. since like Thank 2008 hmm. or yes. whatever right and this is now 2013 yeah so the birds went to Teresa Kampmeyer's uh, home in Berlin they were in her apartment for some time this is now scattered 2015. Around. Mm -hmm. Scattered around. And eventually she put them in her basement storage of the apartment along with her potatoes where they'd be kept cold. But mm. she says she didn't lock the door. Mm. She probably thought no one would want the birds. Here comes two, four more birds to us to talk, which mm. is very sweet. So uh, one day I wrote to Teresa, I'm coming to Berlin, would you like to meet up? Maybe we can do something with the birds. Mm. And she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Did I not tell you about Mm. They got stolen. Mm. Last summer, we met up again in Berlin, and we did a, a search for them at the French fry kiosk gallery called Tropez, a swimming pool. And we had a few remaining birds that hadn't been shipped that I brought along, and we drew the posters and went around and, and posted them. And Anna actually played the guitar and sang about her directorship mm. to, to the people <laughs> that night. So we still haven't found the birds after the search, and if anyone sees a porcelain bird out there anywhere, probably in Germany I would say, look on the bottom, because there will be a number like WM2013.005 or something. Mm. And if you see it, just grab it and it's stolen, it can come back to us maybe. Or have a new home with whoever finds it, that's nice too. You know, they can come back to me too and... <laughs> you would have them again after all of this? <laughs> we can, we can do it, we can start from scratch. Eh?